Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. This morning I want to speak from within. We're going to look in the weeks ahead perhaps. I don't know, it may just end today. Uh, There's four books in the Old Testament. Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Haggai, and basically they cover the period, the, the minor, minor prophets, I'll say them again, Ezra, Nehemiah, actually the minor prophets are Zechariah and Haggai, but Ezra and Nehemiah, and then Haggai and Zechariah, those four books cover the period of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and the restoring of the walls. It was the time when they went back to return and rebuild and begin to inhabit that, okay? This was after 70 years of captivity that was prophesied by Jeremiah. This is after 70 years. You know the verse that says, I know the plans I have for you? That was a corrective verse. We often quote just the one half, but there were would-be prophets rising up and saying, this is not going to happen. We're not going to be in captivity. And God says, I know the plans I have for you. I know what I warned you about, that if you did it, it would result in captivity. You did it, now you're captive, and I told you after 70 years it would happen, that that something would transpire. I love one of the other prophets in Daniel, the first two chapters. He said, I happened to notice that the 70 years that Jeremiah had written about had passed. And he says, so I turned myself to prayer and fasting. Beloved, look at me. Can I just throw this out? It's not in my notes, but just for the fun of it. As you are walking out your own comeback story of ongoing redemption in your life, because there's nothing that God cannot bring you back from, hold on, I'm going to get us prime. Because that's a place where we need to testify with a loud amen. I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm not fishing for my affirmation. We need to launch that out as an, as an amen. <laughs> You are involved in your own comeback, and there's nothing that God can't bring you back from unto his purpose of redemption. You can go ahead and shout amen right there. That's the power of this. See, we happen to be coming back here to worship today, and I'm excited about that because when I begin to look at these books and look at these stories about comeback, and I want to be clear, we haven't suffered a deportment and a devastation that the people of Israel did. I'm, I'm, I don't like drama. I like to look at things and say, okay, what are the next steps? I mean, my wife will tell you, I, I don't like, when drama happens, I tend to walk right away from it, no matter what the drama is. And it's just because all it is is a distraction. So I'm not coming in some dramatic fashion and say, oh, church, blessed new hope. We've, you know, in some Shakespearean effort. And so we've gathered again after this horrific pandemic has swept the globe and whatever it is. Listen, listen, listen. All we've done is not be in a building for eight weeks. That's okay. The church has survived. But I still love a comeback story because I'm going to celebrate the real comeback because guess what? The New Testament, in the Gospels, it speaks of God's faithfulness to our fathers, and because of that, he's going to do for us what he did for them. And so I want to just encourage somebody here about this comeback. Just reach out and grab it for your own life, okay? I don't raise your hand right now, but how many here need a comeback story of their own? You have to raise your hand. 
You, you need a comeback story. Take your Bibles, your tablets in hand, if you would, and I want us to look at, at a few scripture. And I'm going to do my best to stay on track because, as you may have picked up, my heart's real full. It doesn't have to, it didn't have, to have any other occasion than getting to see you and worship with you this morning. That's all it took, but there's a lot more going on. There's three or four words I want us to, to get. And as usual, if you would like a copy of these notes, all you got to do is send an email to Pastor Tom at New Hope Online or Tom at New Hope Online. They'll redirect all of them, come there. Pastor Tom at New Hope Online or Tom at New Hope Online. Say, hey, dude, I'd like a copy of those notes, and I will send you these, okay? So I, I want to talk about these, uh, these, those four books that talk about the comeback, the return. Man, chomping at the bit. Listen, when you go home this week, read Numbers 13 and 14. And then read Nehemiah, the first four chapters. Okay, you say, that's a lot to read. It's not that much. The whole thing will take you about 15 minutes, if that, okay? Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. Numbers 13 and 14 is the story about 18 months into the nation of uh, the people of Israel being set free from 400 years of Egyptian captivity. They're slaves. When they first come to the River Jordan, they send spies across to the promised land, the place of promise, the, pro the promised place that God said would be their possession. How many know that story is very similar to ours because God has said to us that there is a promises that I have in store for each and every one of you. Theirs was a literal land. Ours are typically more spiritual in nature. But the, everybody get what we're talking about? You come up to that and you look across and there's the promised land, but there's giants in there and there's no way we can get in. If you look at those chapters closely, it comes down to two things, or one thing, really. Whose word are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God who said, I'm the God that brought you out, up, and I will bring you in? But they chose to listen to different words. That same narrative harkens all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose to listen to different words other than God's. Beloved, in a comeback scenario... You've got to take God's word and accept God's word above everything else. You will never live a life of comeback and overcoming if you're constantly informed by nothing other than your circumstances. You will never live that comeback. So two times in that passage they said, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back. We were slaves, but at least we had food to eat. Okay? We want to go back. Some 500 years later or so, this, the, the, the people of Israel have now taken possession. They've had over 400 years of not being slaves, but now they are people of possession. Now, they would ultimately be disobedient and lose it, but here's the difference. You see, they had 400 years in Egypt of being conditioned as a slave so that they could not see anything but themselves as slaves. Look at me, please. And when they stood within the reach of promise, the echo of that said, we're nothing more than a slave. I've got to go back. You see, but comeback people are different than go back people. Go, see, comeback people 
had lived 400 years of being possessors of promise and winning and dominating over any force that would come against them by God's powerful hand. So you see, the generation that would be coming back was very different from the one that would go back. The go-back generation says, we'll never be anything but slaves and promise can't be mine. Look at me. But a comeback generation says, I will never believe anything but promise and I'll never be a slave. That's the difference. I want to say it again. Go back, people. Don't see them anything else but slave. Now, what do you mean about that, Pastor? Maybe I'll get to this one next week. Let me just preach to you for a minute. Go back, people. See either their failure, their past, what has been, this is from Isaiah 61, what has been done by them, to them, or through them. That covers the gamut. It happened to you. It was done by you or through you, okay? This past on. It's right, we've studied that before. And now that past looms so large that you are still held in bondage and slavery to that past that says you can't be a person of promise. But then there came five, this generation after the same amount of time of living as possessors of promise. And we, th- there was a whole generation that says, No, I'm not conditioned to be a slave. I'm conditioned to be a possessor. And after 70 years of living in captivity, they still couldn't get over the fact. 70 years of living in captivity when the opportunity came to come back and to return and take possession. That group of people said, I will never see myself as a slave no matter how long you keep here. There comes a transition in our life where we realize that we cry, Abba, Father, Romans chapter 8 says, you're no longer a slave. You are no longer, uh, you are no longer, no longer looked down at, but you're a person of promise. Let me just preach for a minute right here to our true purpose, brothers. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care what's been done through you. I don't care about that. Every one of you look at me. You're on a comeback path right now. You're not on a go back. You're not going to go back to that slavery where you were held. You're on a comeback path. Your language is going to change. You're going to move forward and where you thought that can never happen to me. That's too good for me. Father, I pray for them that Holy Spirit, you would overshadow them, radically shift and alter this mentality. Father, they're not slaves. They are not the tail. They're the head. They are sons of God. They are sons of the most high God. Let them know they are a come back people in Jesus name. So be it. Anybody get what I'm talking about? Just go ahead and give the Lord praise. Listen to the language in Zechariah chapter nine. There's four verses of scripture and I'll say amen. Verse nine, rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion shout in triumph. O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold your king coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. Who here reads scripture enough that I can put you on the spot and ask you, what verse is that? Where was it quoted again? Where was it quoted? Does anybody know? It was quoted in my donkey story, in the triumphal entry. When that happened that day, And this again, this would be 400 plus years later, when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, he said, the the prophets and the people said, behold, behold, they quoted this part of it, 
Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble, and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now remember, this happened 400 years early and was ta- earlier in talking about a redeemer yet to come. Here's your first principle of four. Come back, people, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. They rejoice. It says that. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. because They rejoice because there is unimaginable redemption ahead. As we come back and we gather back, I am praying for a baptism of rejoicing because this, the contemporary of Zechariah, same exact time as Haggai, listen uh, to Haggai 2.9. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. He was talking about the temple, the rebuilding of Solomon's temple, and they said, we'll never have the glory, it'll never have the gold, it'll never never be the same. It can't possibly be the same. And then the prophet rises up and says, I want to tell you the glory of this house will be, the latter will be greater than the former. Why? Because God only appeared just in, in imagery and smoke and mist. But in this temple that would be rebuilt, the Son of God would come walking in it in the flesh. God himself would walk into that temple and say, I'm here. I'm here to redeem. I'm here to fix. I'm here to bring humanity a comeback story. I'm here. I'm not going to come and smoke. I'm not going to come and win. I've come here in flesh so you could see me and touch you. I am God. I am the Son of God. The glory of that, the latter glory of that house would be greater. Number one, comeback people rejoice because there's unimaginable redemption ahead. Father, I pray, I'm going to pray four times. Here's number one. I pray, Father, that for anyone that's sitting here, that the reality of life as they know it right now, I don't know what it is that may be bringing it, but for any person in this house, any person that is watching online, bow your heads, everybody. This is going to be different today. We're going to do this quickly. If you're watching online, I just want you to lift up a hand of oath and covenant. If you're one of those that says, man, I, I, the, 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 what I see before me, I just don't know if I can get past it. If you're in this house, I'm the only one looking. I just want you to lift up a hand and, uh, with me in, in agreement right now. If you're saying, man, I just don't see that in my future. Father, I pray for any and everyone in the name of Jesus that they would know you still hold an unimaginable place of redemption. The Redeemer, hallelujah, is going to ride into their life in Jesus' name. I love you and praise you. Amen. Second one, everyone look this way. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, in other words, not because of anything you've done or we've done, I have set your prisoners free. Everybody say released. I have set them free from the waterless pit. Verse 12. Return to the stronghold. O prisoners of hope, who have the hope, I love that, this day, this very day I'm declaring that I will restore double to you. This week a um, pastor called me, and I I get to talk to pastors every week about my favorite thing, and that's the Word of God. And we were talking, he was teaching on Joseph, and I said, take a look at the cistern logic. You see, because this says the waterless pit, the waterless pit. The waterless pit's famous, mostly famous, in two places. Well, three, if you read much of the prophets. But the first one is Joseph, not Joseph and Mary of the New Testament, but Joseph of the Old Testament. Joseph, the dreamer, was thrown into an empty cistern and held captive until traders came by and he sold them in. 
The second place that you hear about cisterns here is a verse I quote often, where Jeremiah warns the people, he says, you've forsaken the fountain of living water. Dan, hand me that bottle of water right there, son, if you would. You've forsaken the fountain of living water and hewn for yourself cisterns, cisterns that are cracked and broken and can hold no water. We don't get the idea of a cistern. We get the idea of bottled water. I told you several weeks ago there's still one company, Avion, that allegedly fills all of their water from one fountain in France. If this were Avion water, I could hand it to you and say, here, brother, welcome to the fountain. But you haven't been to the fountain. All you got is a bottle of water. And you may remember right before this pandemic began that I made up a decision, I made up my mind and made a decision declaration to you that I was far less concerned with giving you bottled water than leading you to the fountain and letting you jump in, jump in and splash. That's what I desire to do every sermon. I hope that you do remember things when you walk away, but I pray even more so that there's a moment of encounter as we're studying God's word where you suddenly feel overwhelmed by the fountain. It's too good to be true. Let me just splash around in it because if you can lead someone to a fountain, they can fill all the bottles they need. Everybody get that? Okay, so the same back to a sister now because that's the illustration they used. Okay? But a cistern is a place where dreams are held hostage and the power of the word of God runs dry. Those are the two things. Joseph the dreamer was thrown into a cistern and sold into slavery. That in mind, notice the language of Zechariah because I believe he picks up on the poetry of the moment. Pay attention. Okay? He says, as also for you, because of the blood covenant, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. They were still thrown in there. Here's the point. Comeback people are released from being a dreamless hostage to becoming a prisoner of hope. I want to say it again. Comeback people are those who are released from being a dreamless hostage to becoming a prisoner of hope. Look, a person, look at a person somewhere near. You don't have to speak loud or spray or sing or do anything. But I want you to look at him and say, are you ready to be taken captive by hope? Are you ready to be taken captive by hope? Did you do it? Did everybody do that? I don't believe you. Do it again. Okay, I'm, I, believe, I believe you did. The last thing is Zechariah chapter 10. Ask rain from the Lord at the time of the spring rain. The Lord who makes the storm clouds and he will give them showers of rain, vegetation in the field to each man. I've been waiting to get to number four. You see, that speaking of a harvest to come as they would go back into the land. And uh, Isaiah 61 would speak to it and say, oh, goodness. Verse four says, I'll rebuild the ancient ruins, raise up the former devastations, repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. The word ruin comes from a Hebrew word. Watch this. It means a dry, hot, desolate place incapable of supporting life, growth, or vegetation. You see, that's how they viewed their situation. Or more simply put, we've We've messed up so bad, been deported from promise for so long, there ain't no way anything's going to grow here. But God tells them, he says, I want you to know that I am the rain that will rain on that dry, hot, 
who here has a place marked off in your life with a, a, like a no trespassing sign in your own heart? A place where you've been hurt or wounded or you failed, you messed up. It was sin. Either it found you or you found it and, and it wounded you and hurt you so deeply that you now have a no trespassing put up there, uh, um, uh, devastated and nothing going to grow. I was trying to think of the signs they put up at Chernobyl after the nuclear uh, thing that happened there, you know, that no one could live there. Uninhabitable. It can't go there. Do you know we do that in our own hearts? Places that we've been hurt or wounded or we've failed or we messed up. But God comes in and he says, I want you to know I'll rebuild the ancient ruins. I will raise up. And he did it. I'll raise up the former devastations. I'll repair the ruin, the dry, hot, desolate places incapable of supporting life, growth, or vegetation. Why am I excited about this? Because I've read all the articles. I've read the articles that say you can look for church attendance to drop off after the pandemic because people aren't going to want to assemble together and it's going to affect and change everything. Let me tell you something. This latter rain is talking about a harvest. When Jesus talked about a harvest in John chapter 4, he was talking about souls. And let me tell you something. I don't care what anyone says. I'm coming out of this pandemic and saying, Father, I'm going to rejoice. I'm released. I'm going to live a life of redemption. And I believe that father there's a rain coming and a harvest of souls like we've never seen i believe there is a rain coming and a harvest of souls like we've never seen i'm back believing again for this building to be full of people praising god anybody say amen with me i'm back to believing there's enough still out there oh my goodness <laughs> oh the devil shouldn't have ever created a disease that would trap me away and allow me to think real hard uninterrupted. Go ahead and stand up and I'll stop, okay? Key of F. And when you play the A minor on the last part, I want you to play that. Okay? That one. Change that note to that one. I'll show you why when we get there. Okay? You are welcome into this place. Okay, you're going to do this with me. We're going to do children's church. Pastor Ben was up here leading worship for the kids. He'd be doing, he would make up some sort of hand gestures. I can't imagine what they'd be. <laughs> you are welcome into this place. You are welcome into this broken vessel. You desire to abide in the praises of your people. So we lift our hands and we lift our hearts as we offer up a praise to your name. Father, you guys look at me, okay? Just keep, you can keep your hands up until you can do more than one thing.
What you do in the life and heart of an individual always reflects the kingdom, and the kingdom reflects what might be in the heart of an individual. That is what you're doing in a church, what you've done in your people in the Old Testament. As we come to the New Testament, you don't rebuild temples made of stone and dust. Your word says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Most High God? Father, I pray for people who stand in this place today and who are watching and worshiping online that they don't see a future, they don't see a hope. God, I pray that you would something like grab their face. Holy Spirit, look them right in the face and say, I've set you free from the waterless pit where Joseph was held hostage and his dream was tempted to be hijacked. I've set you free and now I'm taking you captive my own self. <laughs> Ah, let me tell you something, beloved. Our God has taken you captive and way beyond any uh, United States government principles. He doesn't negotiate. When he's taken you hostage, he was very clear in the book of Isaiah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, no one paid me for you to go away and no one's paying me to take you back. I did it on my own. And the good news of there's a third part of that. Watch. No one paid me for you to go away. No one's paying me to take you back. And there is no amount of anything that anywhere I'm taking you hostage to hope. And there is nothing anywhere they can ever buy you out of that Paul would say don't you know you've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ God I pray somehow this morning as we come to splash in the fountain I, I, I need that to happen for this just to run over in our soul and say what you've done among your people in the Old Testament you're doing in the church but even more importantly what you're doing in the church and in your kingdom you're doing in individual lives you know I don't pick on you guys because I, I, I think that's rude so that you you know that if you come here but I just feel so compelled to just speak so forcefully about the shutting of the mouth of the adversary, the whispering and hissing echoes of your past that would make you feel like you're not people uh, of promise, like there's not a future and there's not a hope and there's not redemption. I'm telling you guys, he has a future plan for you you can't even imagine. Just say, God, mm -hmm. lift, lift, lift your hands with me, okay? Father, I pray right now that you would shatter a go-back mentality. A go-back mentality that says, I'm nothing but a slave. I'm only going to receive the leftovers, dregs, and handouts from my path on life. Father, a comeback people says, oh no, no. I know that all things work together for good for me because I love God and I'm called by your purpose. I love you and I praise you, Father. Shatter that mentality this morning. We've come back to the house to worship. 
I pray that you make a statement in that of a comeback people who embrace a future far greater than the one they left. Father, I pray for renewal and revival in this house of worship. I pray for renewal and revival in this house of worship. I pray for renewal and revival in this house of worship. I pray for the fulfilling of things that were prophesied and declared 30 years ago when this church was planted. I pray for a full realization. I pray like never before we would be a lighthouse to our community. And I repent, Father, for the times I've missed those moments and opportunities. I pray like never before we would come back from this being a comeback people in the name of the living God. So be it. Amen. Amen. And amen. Let's clap our hands. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.